No, what's funny is we were talking about a second ago, occasionally my brain explodes, and now it's happening. I thought I was in the tone of silence there for a second. RPGbet.news. I'm Randall James, and with me is Tyler Kamstra. Hi, everybody. And Random Pal. Good afternoon. And today we have a special guest uh, coming to us all the way from England, Matt Whitby. Hello, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm Matthew Whitby. I am a tabletop RPG creator. I've uh, been publishing on the DMs Guild for about two, three years now. Uh, I'm also a DMs Guild Herald and the host of the uh, Dungeon Masters Guildhouse podcast. So, yeah, from one podcast host to another. Other than that, uh, I've kind of more recently I've just released uh, one of my, my newest adventures that I'm quite I'm quite pleased about the uh, the the Tome of Silence, the Attack of the Astral Sound of Hours, which was the kind of uh, um, inspiration of those kind of uh, I'd rather call it slock, um, but just old-fashioned action films of you know the the it came from the deeps and all things like that um, with some spooky horrors and everything in kind. Yeah, but no, that, that's 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 me really. Yeah. It absolutely leaps off the page that way too, which is fantastic. Tyler, what are we going to do today? Uh, well, we're going to talk about Matt and some of his work. We're going to talk about DMs Guild and how to get started with publishing there. And we're going to talk about the Dungeon Masters Guildhouse podcast, which Matt runs. Nice. Awesome. Matt, you have what? I think it's 33 different publications on DMs Guild? Yeah. I mean, uh, looking on like the uh, website, it says like 50 plus, but a lot of those are like fantasy ground conversions, oh. um, which kind of, you know, boost, uh, which is, again, always a really nice way to kind of <laughs> boost those numbers and seem like I have double <laughs> the number of adventures. <laughs> but yeah, no, yeah. I placed a, like a 30, 30 or so um, that I've kind of been yeah, churning through bit by bit over the last you know, two years. And it's been, yeah, it's been a while ride. <laughs> Yeah, and then Thomas Silence has come out in the past few weeks. Yeah, literally, I think uh, Tuesday. Well, I don't want to don't want to date it too much, but yeah, uh, it came out in January, uh, end of January, and twenty twenty two. Yeah, those people in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it actually came out in the future. That's how how advanced it is. Um, yeah. yeah, no, and it was it was um, it was an interesting one. It was uh, I kind of wanted to. I, I just finished reading through the Candlekeep Mysteries, and it, it kind of struck me as kind of a series of very kind of contained. Adventures. I was like, you know what? I'll, I'll give it a crack. I'll, I'll write one of my own. And there was like two kind of points of inspiration. One was like, okay, well, how do I keep it kind of contained and kind of a small form adventure? And secondly, it was actually an inspiration from Critical Role because within season two, while the the Mighty Nine, they're in this was it the this happy fun ball, which is like a series of you know advanced dungeons and weird rooms. They go into this place called like I think it's like the Prison of Soot where it's this room where there's, like, ash or, like, soot kind of hanging in the air that kind of punishes casters or spell casters. And the party were just very adept in kind of getting past this challenge. Uh, that they, It wasn't really super explored. So I was like, okay, well, for a one-shot, I think it's quite entertaining to kind of play the idea of, like, forcing the entire party to be silent or to kind of navigate through a space as quietly as possible. And then it was kind of playing around with the idea of, like, okay, well, what is this in a space of silence? Um, which came up with, like, the, you know, it, it's the Hush Monastery. There's a whole kind of um, group of uh, individuals who kind of worship this god of silence, you know, are tying in with the Forgotten Realms law and all that. And then I was like, well, you know what? It it would be fun to go there, but we need, like, a monster. We need a threat. We need, like, you know, a hook or something. And that's when the kind of, like, the concept for the um, actual uh, sound of ours came in. 
and and Law Evans, who is the the kind of artist behind it, just just knocked it out of the park. I gave them you know a bunch of kind of inspirations behind it, and yeah, they came back with the the sneaky sneaky snake boy that is adorned on the front cover. Um, yeah, the, I, the, the creepy looking. Yeah, it feels very much like what if a naga, but worse. Yeah. So I, I read through the whole module. I, I I guess I would call it the preview. Very generously, there available to just peruse and i absolutely loved it it just immediately from a mechanical standpoint i picked out of all of the classes going to run that sorcerers are just gonna get wrecked uh, sorry sorry uh, just because so in, in one of the play testings if again i i, ha- I was doing like a, a play test with a sorcerer who happened to also have subtle spell okay yeah, Vards on, on the other hand, they're not going to have a good time. That's yeah. <laughs> true. Yeah, it, but it, it it definitely occurred to me like the, like your, your wizard, your cleric, your druid who can prepare mm-hmm. daily and and can you know say ah all right well I need to go and choose some spells that don't have verbal components to make my life easier. I have to say the feel of everything, the progression. I had a great time reading it, and I think that it would be a great thing to play. Oh, thank you very much. Yeah, it, it was really interesting to me. So we actually just, just did a show talking about VSNM for spells and like how important these components are and the fact that a lot of people in their games skip considering the implications of you know having verbal, having a somatic. I say that to say like this seems like, okay, if we want to enforce it, let's play this module and let's really think about what's going to happen when we go to, when we go to be verbal. I, I think one of the things, that, especially as I was coming up with it, is, is that I was... I am worried that, like, if you had an entire campaign of this, it would be in, in, insufferable. <laughs> no, no one would be having fun. But that's why it kind of sits perfectly as like a one shot. It's an adventure that you know you kind of go through once, and I don't know. Maybe you learn a little bit things more about the crunchy mechanics of okay. Well, now I need to need to be as quiet as possible. How do I kind of navigate space without having to, you know, make a sound or anything? Well, and, and I do also, like, I thought it was great that you also introduced items that relieved the burden of not being able to use. Uh, verbal components, which I guess maybe we should say. So, what makes it the Hush Monastery? Why do why do our adventures have to be so quiet in there? So it's kind of always fun uh, when I kind of come up with like a concept of like, okay, well, how do I kind of you know situate within the kind of existing Forgotten Realms law? And I was looking through the kind of deities, and Eldath uh, stood out as the the deity of tranquil gardens and kind of like a very kind of druidic style. And I was like, okay, well, there's this kind of space in there because they're also known as kind of like, I think the hushed one or, you know, just, I think if we take a, I don't know, like a follower or like a, um, a sect of their religion who just take it to the nth degree and rather than focus on all the other sides of Eldath, they go, we think, you know, the best way to kind of service or, or you know, uh, follow in our, our deity is to live in utter silence. Um, so they find this little, this little mountain, uh, which is like a, oh, I'm going to mispronounce it. Anaoric chamber? Anaoric. Ana- yeah, there you go. <laughs> they, yeah. Thank you. Um, but basically, it's a chamber uh, at the very heart of this mountain that has little to no sound. And I think, what is it, when you walk into it in real life, you hear your, you can hear your blood pumping, you hear your, like, your heart. And from there, they've just kind of formed this whole hush monastery, which, and through uh, bit by bit, they decided that, okay, well, we want to kind of politely enforce this kind of silence among it. So they have these kind of runic vows of silence throughout the chamber that kind of have been enchanted into the walls that if anyone speaks, then depending on where it is within the monastery, it has different severity, like within like the mess hall where people eat and stuff like that, you feel like a little bit queasy. 
within some of the other chambers you feel like you know a little bit stunned but within the very heart of the chamber it can be kind of debilitating to kind of you know speak in any way shape or form and this silence is kind of what allowed the, the astral sound of ours to kind of venture their way in there's also kind of like a, a another deity at play but you know there's, there's a lot going on <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and and so you give these items so that adventurers coming in like okay you need to speak occasionally or you might need to use one or two spells and so i'm going to give you a few freebies but certainly not your whole spell list at the um or, or your spell slots at the level that you expect these adventurers to be one other thing I want to call out, because we keep talking about spellcasting, there is an expectation even that you, you ought to have your players at the table communicating without words. So the RP opportunity of like, how do I need you to do something? How do I communicate that I need you to do something? Did we carry pencil and paper into this dungeon? I don't know. <laughs> I, I just have to say, suddenly everyone who has optimized deciding I'm taking draw sign language feels immensely justified. The, the, there's one person in a Steve's can, and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're saying. I just, I never took that lesson. <laughs> <laughs> Man, did Drow sign language make it into fifth edition, or did we? It sure did. Oh, that's yep. great. Yeah, well, did now. Uh, and there's a lot of races that have telepathy that might help as well. But yeah, for your typical like humans, dwarves, elves, etc., this is definitely going to be a challenge. So Matt, the adventure is about 25 pages long, and you've described it as a one shot. Roughly, how many hours do you think it would take to play through this thing? So in kind of the the playtesting we did, it was it sits nicely in the three to four hours kind of range, and obviously that kind of a lot dictates kind of from pace. Some parties are like you know up, upon seeing the signs saying that beyond this point you must be silent they're like let's take a little bit of time like in this room that we can talk to kind of work things out um and you know i think that's kind of if you kind of explore the whole monastery that kind of expands time but that's kind of why i have those items kind of they're kind of placed kind of out and kind of off the beaten path because i think a good part of like my design strategy is you can't really predict what kind of composition of parties coming in and to at least have, you know, solutions kind of baked in with the adventure as well, it means that given enough time, everyone should be able to, you know, make it through without everyone horribly dying. <laughs> I guess one of the things I'll say that I really liked about the setup of the adventure, it is written as a one-shot, but you do give ideas and hooks for how to come into it if you're just integrating this into a campaign you're playing, and also how to get out of it. Um, I, I don't want to spoil anything for folks who might play it, but there. There is an opportunity for the enterprising DM to pick this up and say, I'm going to use this to actually set up maybe a next stage of what's happening. And I thought that was really brilliant. I liked that in the writing. I, I think it kind of it comes across in, in some of my other things as well, because I think with adventures on the DMs Guild um, aren't necessarily the, the most best-selling products uh, comparatively, but making it as easy as possible for the DM to just you know, take it in and insert it within their home game. And to you know, if it expands out into a whole kind of campaign, Great. If not, you know, it is what it is. So you, you, you bring up DMs Guild. Let's talk about it a little bit. So you said you've been publishing a DMs Guild, I think you said two, three years? Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, was it coming up? Yeah, I think uh, I think about August or July is, is going to be my, my third year anniversary. So Okay. And then you also, you talked about you have your artist, Laura? Uh, yeah, uh, Law. Law. Oh, excuse me. Yeah, no. Law. And then you, you have other folks who are working with you as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. so basically, uh, uh, depending on like the project, I've kind of uh, bounced around. I think it's pretty consistent that whatever I work on, uh, it's always going to have an editor. Um, that's like rule, rule number one is, is hire an editor. They, they're worth their weight in gold. And and yeah, I've had the kind of uh, the, the privilege to kind of work with a, a bunch of different people, and, and sometimes it kind of shapes. So with, uh, what is it, the Tome of Silence, I had the pleasure to work with um, Sabriel, um, who also edited the Long Saddle Gazetteer. 
uh, again, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that, you know, she has agreed to work with two projects back to bank and hasn't like, I'm, I'm done. Your words, you, there's too much. I can't fix all of these. I, I can't um, do this anymore. Yeah, but... <laughs> I, want, I want 110%. Let's do it. Yeah. yeah. When you first got started writing for uh, DMs Guild, were you using an editor or is this a lesson you learned the hard way along the way? Yeah, I, I think I, so. It, it's funny. It's a, a lesson that I learned firsthand and then in kind of like speaking with other designers on the podcast, it's, it's, it's a lesson that so many people learn a little bit later down the line. Um, but I think it, it's, it's kind of understandable because when you're releasing your first stuff on the DMs Guild, I think there's that kind of hesitancy about like, oh, it's not super polished. It's not, you know, it's just I'm just kind of putting it up there that you kind of hesitate to kind of get more people involved. I, I think, you know, it's to that kind of aspect of collaboration. It all kind of feeds into the final product and kind of makes everything better, for the better word, you know? No, that, I mean, that, that makes good sense. I, I will ask you, so you talk about using an artist. When I looked through uh, Thomas Islands, I did know that you included, I noticed, excuse me, that you included some maps. Do you, like, draw out a concept of the map and then bring it to somebody and say, how do we make this pretty? Like, what's your process for actually building a map in your products? So, I, again, in the past, uh, there's been a, n a number of wrenches where I've kind of, like, drawn my map from the ground up. For uh, Tome of Silence, it was actually, I used, uh, so Dyson Logos, who does a lot of uh, maps for, was it the Wizards of the Coast hardcovers and stuff like that? They have a fantastic resource, uh, which is a collection of, like, commercial, like, like free commercial license maps. And because of the scope of uh, Tome of Silence, I was thinking, you know what, I just kind of, you know, I kind of went through their kind of collection of maps. And I was like, you know what, with a little bit of tweaking, this, this could be perfect. And realistically, the kind of tweaks I needed to do was just kind of adjust the paths um, because before there was, you know, there was a tunnel that led straight to the final room. And I was like, maybe, maybe that we shouldn't have that. Maybe we should try and get them through, you know, some of the other places first. But in other things, like when I uh, was writing, uh, was it Volo's Guide to Getting Murdered? <laughs> Which is a fantastic title, by the yeah, way. Yeah, thank you very much. Yeah. I, 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 just, I just have a personal vendetta against them. The adventure was set within one of the walking statues of, of Waterdeep, and there's no previous map of that, and there's not anything close. So I just kind of like, okay, well, let's... Let, it, it's, oh, I forget the name. I think it's the eagle or the hawk. Either way, it's, it's the bird man that has, like, an entire, like, um, apartment structure on the inside. I, I worked out what, you know, they're like this or something like that, and I was like, okay, well, if I divide them into chunks... That's the rough shape of their torso. But yeah, it is, it's, it's, it's a lot of doodling um, and then kind of iterative of like working with the kind of like, I quite like Dyson's logo. So when I was making my maps, I do my best to kind of, you know, intimidate, uh, in, not intimidate, Im imitate. I'm not, yeah. I'm not very intimidating. Yeah. <laughs> Roll for imitation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Dyson Logos does really good maps. Um, Pretty sure his website is still up, but not super active. But if you if you've ever seen the maps with the, like the cross hatching around the edges of the map, that's pretty pretty distinct logos style. A lot of people refer to that as Dysonizing. <laughs> I tried to do that in the game with Random once a while ago, and he asked why I was giving his map hair. So uh, <laughs> apparently, I need practice. Yeah, you'll get it one day. <laughs> we'll keep trying. <laughs> Speaking of DMs Guild, I was just curious, like, you sort of talk about picking up an artist over time, picking up mapping over time. What made you decide in the first place, I have something that I think the internet needs and, and decide to publish there? Uh, yeah, no, uh, it was basically kind of close to um, about, oh, about four years ago. I was just kind of, it's, it's classic case that kind of has been, happened a lot, where is, I was kind of running my home game. I had um, this whole kind of town kind of developed, which was like, uh, it's well, Cravenhall, um, which is like my, my first kind of product. And 
Oh uh, yeah, every time I, I, I was doing like a lot of kind of prep, and then it's kind of that, that natural jump where I think a lot of people have. Like I've been doing doing a lot of prep. It's not going to be that much more prep to kind of get it in, you know, a vaguely publishable, unedited format. <laughs> um, and, and yeah, that, 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 that was pretty much it. And, and then, you know, after that, uh, it was kind of, well, okay, so uh, first mission is uh, I submitted it onto the DMs Guild. I got a very polite message from someone going, hey, you, you, you need to put the DMs logo on the front cover. That's one of the one of the rules. And I was like, oh, no, oh, no. It's a quickly mad dash away <laughs> to kind of, like, you know, fix the cover and then kind of resubmit and stuff like that. And then that, that was kind of, like, my gateway into the community of someone, you know, politely correcting me. And then, yeah, I kind of, like, the, the, the rest is kind of history. It's kind of just of um, once I realized I could, I, I just, I just, I, you I really kept liked going. it. Yeah, I just kept so going. Did you have, did you have success with your first publication or was it the second or third or fifth or tenth or fiftieth? Hmm, that, I think that's a really good question. I honestly, I think it was, I, hmm, I guess I would define like the first success probably like Volo's Guide to Getting Murdered, um, which was like a, a kind of, yeah, a pretty, like relatively big success um, for me. Um, but then prior to that, I had the chance to kind of work on like a, a kind of like a bundle of like collaborations. Um, so there was like, you know, the Cursed Class, Classes series, you know, there was, uh, yeah, yeah, I feel bad. It's like 30, I'm trying to juggle like 30, 33 projects. Um, but no, it was it was it was it was again. I, I was kind of blown away by you know the, the open arms of people like yeah, no, could you join this project? Just you know you can write some stuff. And yeah, I, I think with 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 Volo, Volo's guide to getting murdered, that was the first one where I was like, wow, it turns out all people hate Volo as much as I do. Well, this is, <laughs> this, this is yeah. all right. And and so at what point during this did you then say, okay, you know what we need to do? In addition to publishing on DMs Guild. We need to have DM's Guildhouse. Oh, so it was it was more of like a I saw so it was while while kind of being within the community. Um, there was kind of previously there were like a number of kind of podcasts who kind of sat within the space, um, but they had either kind of like died down or you know they kind of stepped away, and the DM's Guild didn't really have anything. So it was more the case of like I, I can I can natter a little bit, I can have a chat, and and mostly kind of like for purely selfish reasons, I kind of wanted to chat to cool cool designers and cool people. And, we don't know and, anything about that. That's not a, <laughs> it's not our thing at all. <laughs> um, and yeah, I so, saw you know, I just a kind of you know a classic case of like you know uh, I think Christmas had just passed. I, I bought myself a camera. I sat in my bedroom. You know, I managed to I think I, I managed to get um, JVC Parry, um, another fellow Brit, um, to sit down and uh, chat about. Um, I think it was Call from the Depths and their kind of adventures and all that. And and yeah, I just. I just kept doing it, and, and funny enough, was it? I just the other day I've recorded my was it two year anniversary? So so yeah, I've, yeah, I've almost been doing it as long as I've been publishing stuff. So wow. so two years on the podcast. How many episodes have you done? That so that would be a hundred and four. Oh wow, you made one a week for two years straight. Well done. Yeah. Okay, so I, I, two of those episodes are just me solo, <laughs> just because of scheduling issues, and I count those. Uh, the, the, you know. Okay, but I want to be clear. Two out of 104 you had to do by yourself. For 102 episodes, that means you were able to get somebody to come talk to you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and again, I, I've, been, I've been very fortunate where um, I, I've kind of, again, just because of, I, I don't know, I've, I've kind of been going uh, out of my way to try and make sure it's always always new guests um, as much as possible, because there are, and that's the problem. Well, There's too many talented people. <laughs> but, but that's even harder. You're saying you had like 102 unique guests. Yeah. Okay, well, okay. So I, I, I keep adding like qualifiers. But for the uh, two-year anniversary special, I've done like a roundtable. 
so I've brought some people back from you know a blast from the past. Everyone comes back and um, okay. yeah, no, yeah, and and yes, yeah, so I, I, I can probably say yeah, hundred hundred plus uh, <laughs> unique guests. Uh, that's that's fantastic. And so tell folks maybe for folks who aren't familiar, what kind of things are you talking about on the podcast? What's a typical episode look like? Yeah, so the kind of the 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 conceit of the the whole kind of episode or everything is is just it's individuals kind of creative process i I try and get people from you know who do monster companions do kind of uh editors uh adventure designers i I do have like again as an adventure designer myself uh, i i do have a preference so you know every now and then there's like i asked a lot of adventure designers but it's things like you know what is their favorite part of the process what lessons have they learned in you know along the journey again a lot of it comes back as hire an editor um, or or you know just just release more content you know there's there's a bunch of lessons that kind of come up again and again but no it's always kind of interesting inside of like you know where they draw their inspiration from and yeah just like a, a deep dive into you know what they've done before and what they're kind of working on at the moment yeah are there are there common so you talk about hiring an editor and that makes perfect sense to me what are some common tools that you feel like every time you talk to somebody this is the tool that folks talk about this is what people recommend Ooh. There's not so much in, in the in the way of tools, just because uh, I think it, it, it clearly, uh, clearly comes across that the there. I guess this is a cop out, but everyone has such a very unique and kind of diverse creative, creative process to kind of approach things. You know, every now and then I bump into people who are very much like me, and in kind of the in fighting the kind of blank page problem, they're like big. They love to create kind of big skeletons. There's other people who are like. I just focus on one scene and I kind of, you know, I kind of get that all out or, or some people are just like, I do one monster every day, you know, or I do one encounter every day, you know, and that's how I kind of like build up catalogs of products. But tools that kind of always keep coming up is sometimes it's layout stuff um, in terms of like, you know, there's, I know that homebrewery has came up once or twice. Those kind of tools is kind of nice, nice ways for, you know, people who aren't art savvy to literally get borderline, you know, like a Watsy style layouts. Things like Incarnate for like maps, um, which is which is a nice lovely resource. Um, yeah, uh, as well as that on, on the DMs Guild, the DMs Guild has a lot of really nice t- templates. So I know that uh, it's Laura Hurstbrunner did a Word template, and it's yeah, it's, it's kind of like a fantastic little template uh, template where you could just use Word. Uh, Google Docs is amazing, but I, you do need to be careful about its was it its spell check because it's not as robust as Word. So a lot of my like project things is I write in Google Docs because that way editors can come over and then and you know paint the, my page in red. But before I before I do, I just kind of run it over to to Word to kind of fix bits and bobs and obviously uh, take out all the news that me as an English person I always try and cram in. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's funny. My my office actually in Slack we we prefer the use, which confuses me because I don't know anybody in the office who is British. But anyway, I'm constantly being told that I'm spelling yes, things incorrectly. Yes, it's catching on finally. Yeah, we're just slowly <laughs> spreading. Or Slack has been bribed. I don't know how this has happened. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, you bring up Homebrewery and Incarnate. Like those are fantastic tools. And I've I've been using Homebrewery a lot lately for like my own structuring because it is it's very satisfying to like start with a tool like that and feel like I'm immediately having success. And it's like this looks real. You know, I've had my kids come up and look over my shoulder. It's like, oh, what is that? And it's like, well, it's something that I'm writing. <laughs> yeah. You know, one of us is proud. <laughs> guess which one. Uh, so, yeah, we'll include links in the show notes for those tools. If, if anybody listening at home is saying, it's like, oh, I think I'd like to take a look at Incarnate to make some maps. Yeah, Incarnate's a solid tool. And Homebrewery has been a staple of homebrew stuff for years at this point. Very solid, very simple to use. Definitely check those out. And, yeah, we'll, we'll have links in the show notes. All right. Well, Matt, thank you very much for coming on with us. Uh, We've definitely enjoyed it. 
any parting words you want to share with listeners at home? Uh, other than that, uh, yeah, no, the, the was it Tome of Silence is up in the DMs Guild. Um, was it? I, I, I was about to say, I think it, it's $3.95. I had to do the conversion rate in, in, in my head. But yeah, the Americans prefer yeah, uh, uh, Thank you. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but yeah, metric uh, currency you've got. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, other than that, yeah, you can follow, follow me at, at Whitby, at Whitby Writes, uh, W H I T B Y. W-R-I-T-E-S, I can spell, as well as if you just search for the Dungeon Masters Guild House on, on YouTube, or if you follow me on Twitter, you can find my podcast and everything like that. But other than that, no, I think, thank you so much for having me on. It's been, it's been a pleasure. No, absolutely. It's been fantastic. And we'll include like all of that, uh, all of the how to find mats in the show notes as well. Uh, so if you're listening right now, feel free to find it, click through, and yeah, follow them on Twitter. What are you doing right now? All right. Thanks a lot, folks. Uh, we will see you next time. This is the awkward part at the end of the episode where we wait for someone to say something funny so that Dan can stick it in after the outro. Oh yeah, it'd be cool if like an explosion happened or like, you know, a dog came in on the skateboard. <sighs> Why are you doing that to me? <laughs>